This is Silent Angels, a podcast that is dedicated to parents who lost their children and the children we love. I'm your host, Helen, Lucas's mom. Our son Lucas would have been one year old this May. Although his life was brief, he left a big imprint on our hearts. We are blessed to be his parents. We are also very fortunate to have staff from Walk With Me, a wonderful local nonprofit organization by our side, offering us love and support through this very difficult journey. We hope you can join us for a remembrance walk on May 4th to honor the lives of Lucas and all other sweet babies lost, raise awareness of pregnancy and infant loss, and raise money for Walk With Me. We encourage you to continue contributing to Walk With Me, so they can continue offering practical, emotional, and financial support to other families in need. We want to say thank you for your support. God bless. Joining me today is Erica, Theo's mom. I always feel a special connection with Erica because she lost Theo. Only four days after I lost Lucas, at the same hospital. Welcome, Erica. Hi, Helen. Thanks for having me here. Although that really isn't the right words I want to say, but、um... Erica, thank you for joining me today.、Uh, before we started with other questions, would you mind to share with our listeners a little bit about you and your family? Sure. I am 38 years old, and、um, I spent my late 20s and my early 30s. Um, traveling the world to experience regional cuisine, mostly in Italy, and working on organic farms and really having a full life. I met my husband Steve at、um, age 35. We decided to have a family and to get started trying sooner rather than later, since we were a little a little bit older. We live in Centennial, Colorado, and we have two fur babies, two little pups, Molly and Boomer. And we have、um, a small flock of—we call them feather babies—but chickens、um, in our backyard as well. We got pregnant last last fall, and we were due on May 7th of 2018. Boy, we were looking forward to that day like you have no idea. Unfortunately, May 7th came and went, and、um, at 41 weeks and four days, Theo decided to make his arrival, which was May 18th, 2018. He was the most perfect baby. He was absolutely perfect.、Um, we had the most perfect pregnancy. I was never sick. I never had any symptoms at all. I worked out until, you know, 36 weeks,、um, and then I still walked and swam after that. And we had all the genetic testing done, ultrasound scans,、um, everything and anything we could possibly do ensure that he was healthy and that we we were taking good care of him while he was in my tummy. We did. We decided to have a natural water birth at a birth center here, which was located just a mile. Down the street from the hospital,、um, me being 37, while I was pregnant, almost 38, I didn't want to have anyone else remind me of my age、uh, because I, I knew what it, how old I was, and、um, and so at the birth center after we got all the go-aheads from all the testing we did, I felt really comfortable there、um, to have a natural a natural water birth. We were in labor for I was in labor for 24 hours,、um, no drugs, and that was fine. But、um, long, it never progressed.、Um, never, I never dilated. I never got beyond three centimeters, which was after we had a Foley balloon put in. So after 24 hours of 
not dilating and random, long, and erratic, non-progressive contractions. They were going to send us to the hospital, but at their last check with Theo, they realized his heart had stopped beating. So uh, an ambulance was called and they rushed us to the hospital where we had a, an emergency C-section, but it was too late at that point. They tried for 20 minutes CPR to revive him. We decided not to have an autopsy done because it was just too much for us to handle at that point. We were you know, supposed to be coming home with our baby that we had looked so forward to having and to, you know, the car seat was in the car and I had four outfits depending on you know, what kind of weather was gonna be that day in May, because you never know in Colorado, packed in his bag and he's supposed to be in our arms. And Making a decision of barium or cremate him was enough than also having to do an autopsy, so we, we didn't. But um, later in the pathology report, it showed a, um, an acute uh, infection in the placenta, the umbilical cord called, I think it's called chorioamnionitis, chorio for short, and so that was um, pretty severe, um, and uh, it's quite an, an uncommon infection for uh, a full-term baby. We still don't know exactly what the cause was for him to be stillborn um, at 41 weeks and four days, but there's lots of little red flags, I guess. Now looking back, of course, hindsight is 2020, but nothing in the moment that would have caused us such great concern that we would have, you know, really thought that that was the case. So our family is me and Steve, our pups, our chickens, and Theo, who, you know, came and left way too soon on May 18th of this year. He weighed eight pounds and 14 ounces. Uh, he was 21 inches long and uh, he was absolutely perfect. Well, thank you, Erica, for sharing that. I remember you showed me Theo's picture. He is a perfect little boy. I share your frustration and pain because I had a similar, very healthy pregnancy experience as well, and there was nothing indicate something will go wrong at the very last minute at the finish line. Um, but let's talk about some happy memories. Do you have any best memories about Theo? that you would like to share with us? Yeah, you know, I think this question in and of itself is is beautiful because many people think like, well, how could you have memories of a baby that, that never that never lived um, outside of, you know, outside of your body? But I do because the only memories I have are of him and he was and, and with me. Um, and so those are actually, um, they, they bring a smile to my face and at the same time a tear because that's how I'm learning that this whole grief thing works is that you have extreme competing emotions all at once. Um, but one little thing that Theo and I used to do every morning was um, I would sing him this, this song. <laughs> I made it up. It, I call it the chicken song. I, I was hoping um, that he would have recognized this song later. Um, and it would have calmed him down. I feel like I probably would have sang this chicken song to him um, for the rest of his life. It's just a silly little song. So that would be one of my fondest memories. Um, we did a lot of traveling um, with him as well, or early on, not, not so much late, but we celebrated um, Thanksgiving with my family in Florida. 
um, my husband and I went on a trip to the Azor Islands, which is, um, it's, it's owned by Portugal. It's in the middle of the Atlantic. We had to look it up on the map after I booked the trip. I had no idea what it was. I just booked it. And um, then we went, but he was, he was with us. Um, he got to be with us when we, you know, it was exactly this time last year. We went to Guanella Pass and looked at the, the, leaf, the changing of the leaves, which was really beautiful. Um, we spent Christmas with my dad and Steve's parents um, here in, in Colorado. So all of those, you know, holidays and I guess marking of the seasons changing and, and trips that we did, those were all, you know, so fun. We would talk to him about where we would go when he got older because travel is a big part of our life. Um, in fact, our, our Facebook announcement, which you know is like the most important thing ever, I say that with air quotes sarcastically. I understand. Um, we took a picture of two big suitcases in one little little bag and it said Baby Brown May 18, May 2018 and the announcement was that um, we were looking forward to our greatest adventure this year starting to book travel for a family. Of, and I was really looking forward to that and I think you know what it was well so we started in young. And so those I think are are some of my nicest memories with with him little things also like going to the gym and swimming he loved he, i could tell he loved he loved when i swam uh, he just kind of rolled around in there he was he was pretty happy um just simple everyday things like laying in bed on a on a weekend morning and uh, letting steve you know be able to feel him kicking cute hiccups at night and his, and his kicks while i was trying to eat dinner on the couch and my plate was bouncing around <laughs> But I think that greatest memories that we have, memories we're so most sad about, I guess, are all of the memories we planned to make, all of the dreams that we had and the future that we had with him, but the memories that, that we were looking forward to creating with him. It's a double-edged sword. Um, you know, all the ones that we, that we have and all the ones we were going to have. But um, I'm really grateful that we had, we had a few baby showers, which we were, our friends and family were so generous. Um, so I'm really glad that everyone got to shower him with love and be there and be there with him and meet him during his you know, short time with us. But they, everyone got to, everyone got to be a part of his short life. That is so beautiful. This is why infant loss is especially hard to be people who never experienced will never understand we are so looking forward to and now after loss it's the future that we are so dreadful because now you have to make everything almost feel like you have to start over to make plans again to make a different plans i should mm -hmm. say mm -hmm. and plans too that are i mean it's not your choice you know it's not you wanted the plans that you thought you were going to get <laughs> and then all of a sudden it gets ripped away from you and it's you're forced to now make different plans but you don't want any of them even if you make them you don't really want them we got a puppy which has been really healing and wonderful and i love him and i would never trade him but i didn't want a puppy i want to be reading about and experiencing how to get theo to sleep through the night you know and so making these new plans these new this new future is it's frustrating it is. And yet, like, you have to do it. Yeah. You have to do it. And we all have to pick our pieces and learn how to move forward, which is something you already touched on. And puppies, I, I saw Boomer's picture. You know, he's a cute puppy, mm -hmm. and I'm looking forward to meet him in person. I love him. <laughs> yes. Besides getting a new puppy, what other things you and your husband did or are doing right now you think are helpful? with your grieving process. 
You know, while we were in the hospital, I was out of it and couldn't, I don't count, but Steve was researching everything he could online. I mean, we were so shocked. You know, we went into the birth center expecting to come out with the baby and we, we came out with nothing. And so we, we just didn't even know that this could happen. I feel like that's so stupid to say now, but it's true. And so the most helpful things that we've done is, uh, is reading everything we can online about how this happens and how often it happens, unfortunately. Different stories from other people, not just to know that we're not alone, but sometimes that's helpful and sometimes it's just sad. We just had to learn. We weren't prepared for any of this. I mean, obviously you don't go to birthing class with one possible outcome being your baby dies at the end of it. I mean, no one talks about it. So reading has been the number one most helpful thing, whether that's reading online loss, um, uh, publications like Still Standing. That one's, I get that one on my email every day, twice a day, and I devour it. Um, I read through everything. I, I click on all their links that are related topics and I find it so helpful. Reading grief books and, and books about coping, um, both online or, or you know, paper books. Other things that have been really helpful for us is attending a support group and we went to a, a few different ones and, and found one that we felt really comfortable in, which of course is where I met you. But it's called the Denver Share Group. That has been so helpful just to hear from other, to say that really for us, Hearing from the dads has been so helpful for Steve. I think it's really hard for the guys to go through this, to see, you know, to lose their, their future and, and their, their baby, but at the same time, they lose their wife and their present because you and I both, like, we, we totally could have died in having an emergency C-section. Yeah, that's so you know, true. You know, the possibility of losing their everything, and then and then they don't. Half of them is a little bit grateful, of course, that, that we're still here, but we're, we're here, but we're different. And so that's a whole nother process. Anyway, I think that what's so great about the group is that there are other dads there that, that share and that talk um, and it helps. Um, I know for, for us, it's helped Steve to just not feel so alone and, and for me to you know hear and meet other moms and, and to meet other couples because you know again you're you're planning your life to go in one direction you're planning to meet all these other parents that are you know gonna be in play group and you know that are gonna walk in the park and gonna go to kindergarten and like all these things and and then all that's gone. But you're still a mom and you're still a parent, you're still a dad and who do you relate to? Now you can't can't relate to those people anymore. Um, even if they even if they're the sweetest, nicest, most you know, if they want to, um, they just can't, and you never, you never want them to. Um, it was just different. So I think reading, um, uh, attending the support group, um, and just reaching out to other lost moms. You know, if going with you on on a walk and meeting for coffee has been just so helpful um, for, for me to to process. I'm a verbal processor, in case you haven't probably noticed, um, and so being able to to talk it through and for me to be able to talk it through as many times as I need to. Other lost moms get it because that's all they want to do too and to give the time and the space for that. Some other things I've done, I feel like there's been so many thoughts and emotions and life realizations that um, I've been trying to jot it down just so it's out of my head and somewhere that I can look back and reflect. That's been helpful. I, I do see a counselor right now, it's once a week. Um, and she's been really helpful just to help me to organize, just to kind of be my partner in this and walk with me and guide me through the different steps and provide some ideas on how to cope or um, acti say activities, but I can use that word activities, I guess we could do like journaling activities or art or, um, and just kind of processing my thoughts and emotions. And she just asks me questions in ways that makes me be able to kind of think about you know what it is that 
I'm feeling and kind of define it because it's hard. We got a puppy, as we mentioned, um, because we just, we needed something that was young and cute and full of energy and fluff. And it's been so nice to see us be puppy parents. At least we can be puppy parents. He's such a good dog. We're, it's, it's been good. Most recently, Steve and I have been installing a new backyard. <laughs> so creating, um, like literally from the ground, from sprinkler systems up, we're installing sod and we laid dirt and we were going to do this for Theo anyway, so that he could have a place to play next summer. Yeah. And so we're still doing it. And that has been really healing. It's been a physically demanding process, moving like 42 tons of dirt, but um, we're doing it together and we're building a beautiful space and it's going to grow literally. And we're going to have it for whatever our future is, whether we have more kids or whether we have more dogs or whether we don't have any more of that at all for just us to have a place, a space to a little oasis to enjoy. And so building that and kind of still having some ability to kind of plan, I guess, for our future or to create something for our future has been nice because, you know, all, your sense of control is, is gone um, after something like this. So that's been really nice. And, and lastly, I would say, well, two things. One, um, looking at his pictures on my phone, on my computer, whenever I want to, and kind of talking to him whenever I want to. But, but, but I think the most important thing is allowing myself the time and the space to feel everything as much as it hurts, as bad as it is. I give, I've, I've been trying to give myself the time to just feel it all. And that's, I think that's been the most helpful. Do you want to elaborate a little bit more on your last point? Um, what, what do you mean give you the time and space to to fully feel feel it? Yeah, I feel like my life before, because there will always be, I mean, May 18th, 2018, I changed me. You know, I'm a different person now than I was bef before that. Arrived on um, planning and scheduling and fitting everything in and checking things off and I'm very goal and action oriented and yes of course I'm like I will always be like that however um, sometimes I would run through things just to get them done and now I would say you, you can't do that with grief you can't do that with emotions and with feelings especially this kind of, um, and so I haven't gone back to work and it's been now for just over four months. And I'm very grateful, and I know I'm very lucky that I, did, that I haven't had to. I, I will financially soon. But Steve has been really supportive of me, really just taking the time. Some days I lay in bed for hours and just look at his pictures, and I make them real big on my iPhone, and I look at every little inch of it. And I think everything about it that no one else is going to think about but me. And some days I just lay in bed until noon. And old me would have said, oh my God, how can you do that? You're so lazy, you've got stuff to do. You, you, you still have, a, you know, you still have, like things have to get done and they do, but I really can't move on that day until I do that. Other days I'm up and I'm walking and it's fine. Other days, you know, I get sucked into a still standing um, set of articles and I just have to read it because my heart just yearns for it. And so if I, I've done a lot of sitting and a lot of quiet also, which is 
not typical for me and just giving myself the grace I guess to not get everything done in a day and that's okay because the only thing I really need to get done is heal and that is going to look different every day and also you know, sometimes guilt I would say is the overriding feeling I didn't know that you could feel guilty in so many different ways in so many different aspects of your life and and no one else is putting guilt on me but myself and I'm working through that but all of these things take a lot of time and so whether I'm feeling guilty or if I'm feeling sad or if I'm feeling frustrated or if I'm feeling angry or if I'm feeling grateful which has been the most surprising feeling to come from all of this feeling just sense of appreciation I try to let myself just sit there in it whatever it is and try to understand where it's coming from and appreciate it for what it is and just to process it and forward with it. A lot of the guilt I'm trying to leave behind, <laughs> um, but that's taking a little while. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing that because that's something I can learn from you. I'm, I'm just like you. I've always been like a very goal-oriented person. To me, it's a crime, you know, if I sit there doing nothing and just cons consider that as a wasting of time. I think I need to learn from you that I shouldn't be continuing trying to rush through things. The grief of losing Lucas is a, is a lifetime project. It will be with me for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. It's not something gonna go away anytime soon. So thank you for sharing that. I think many other parents uh, will be very grateful for you to share that and that it's okay to deal with your emotion, immerse with your emotion. Grieving is really a day-to-day -day project. You never know which kind of feeling will hit you at what moment. So yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I have one more question. Do you want to leave our shower with love, obviously? But are there any advice you can give it to others? If other things were either said or did, you find it uh, not helpful with the grieving process and maybe they could approach it differently. So some of the advice for other people don't know how to deal with angel parents. Yeah, the first thing I would say about that is that no one knows what to do. No one knows what to say. Everyone's afraid of saying or doing the wrong thing because there is no right thing. It's just crappy. But I will say things that helped us the most, um, that were most meaningful for us, were cards. I mean, we have, we have so many cards. It's bittersweet. I have them all in a box next to the box that I have of all of his baby shower cards. And even if you can't think of the right words, say that. That's okay. Just say there are no words. I'm just so sorry and I'm so sad for you. And that's all right. I guess the most important thing is knowing that people still think about your baby because the rest of the world is going to go on and your baby will never have milestones that you can talk about or brag about or, or post on Facebook uh, or, or celebrate in any way. And so put their birthday on your Google calendar. Put the date of the month that they were born on your Google calendar. Con I would say contact your friends that are lost parents or, or their death date. Let them know you're thinking about them. Send them a random text here and there and just say, hey, I'm thinking about you. I would also say right afterwards, the most helpful things were people that just did, not people that said, if there's anything I can do, let me know, because that makes us have to then think and reach out and that's impossible. So I would say, be specific. Hey, I'm running to the grocery store tomorrow. What is there anything I can pick up for you? I'm happy to bring it to your house. Or can I come by tomorrow and walk your dog and throw in a load of laundry? Or what's a good time this weekend for me to come by and mow your lawn? Those were the most helpful things. Just to also say, you know, 
just to realize, I guess, that you never move on from the loss of your child. You never forget. You're always changed. You will always feel a, you know, there's always a hole in your heart. There's always a, a space in your heart for them. Um, and so, you know, don't use the words, have you moved on yet? Or it happened for a reason or it's God's way. Never start with at least because that'll never end well. The other thing that people said that just didn't help. Oh, you look amazing. Really? Because it doesn't matter how I look. Yeah. yeah. You know, I had one other former person that I worked with that, hey, bad things happen all the time. Don't worry. You'll you'll have other kids. You'll grow your family. No, don't worry about it. Seriously? Yeah. Seriously. You don't know if I can have other kids. Don't don't assume, I guess. Just, just be gentle. Be there. Even if you just sit there in silence. Even if you just let them cry. Even And ask them about their child. Ask them to tell you their favorite parts. Ask them which parts you think that they got from you and which they got from your husband. And ask them to tell you about their little features. Because we want to talk about them. We don't get very many opportunities. And also, my last thing I would say is don't be afraid to say their name. We love to hear their name. We don't get it very often. Say it as much as you possibly can. It's not going to trigger anything. Like you saying their name is not going to make us feel sad. It's just going to bring a smile to our face. Say their names. Be gentle. Ask in specific to help. Those are some great advice from you, Erica. Thank you so much for sharing your experience and your insights and your emotions and you're such an authentic person. I know we can keep talking for another hour or all day about this. We have to come to an end like all good things. So thank you very much for joining me today to share this with everybody else. Yeah, and thank, thank you, Helen. And thank you for, for doing this podcast and for inviting me and for creating a base to make Theo and his story a, a priority for today. Really was healing for me just to have the need to prepare something and to put my mind here and to kind of have this on my calendar for today to do something for him. So I really appreciate that. You are welcome. It's my honor to listen to you to talk about Theo. I can listen to it all day. Our son Lucas would have been one year old this May. Although his life was brief, he left a big imprint on our hearts. We are blessed to be his parents. We're also very fortunate to have staff from Walk With Me, a wonderful local nonprofit organization by our side. We hope you can join us for a remembrance walk on May 4th to honor the lives of Lucas and all other sweet babies lost. After I put the word out on Facebook, in only a few days, we have raised close to a thousand dollars. We have no other words other than express our deepest gratitude. You can contribute by text dollar sign Lucas from your phone to 720-730-7171. Lucas's name is spelled as L-U-C-A-S. On behalf of my husband and our beloved son, Lucas, we want to say thank you for your support and God bless. You are listening to Silent Angels, a podcast that is dedicated to parents who lost their children and the children we love. Silent Angels podcast is produced by Helen Rowley and Susan Joe, edited by Susan Joe. 
Music for this show are provided by AudioBlogs.com. Our website address is OurSilentAngels.org. If you are a grieving parent, or you know a grieving parent who wants to be interviewed, or if you just want to send us your comments or questions, please email us. Our email address is OurSilentAngels. At gmail.com. Thank you for listening.